0: They say hate can be a hell of a motivator, but so too can spite. Time and time again, whether detailed or merely implied, we've seen performers sent in a certain creative direction or handed a new character solely as a way to get one over on that particular talent, one of their colleagues, or even somebody in a rival organization. With that in mind, I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, and these are eight wrestling gimmicks probably made out of spite. Number eight. Cyrus the Virus These days, Don Callis is often seen at the side of one Kenny Omega. In addition to that, the Canadian has served as an EVP of Impact Wrestling and a commentator for both Impact and New Japan in recent years. Back during the late 90s though, with Paul E. Dangerously forever keen to play on real life and use his television products to fire shots, Don Callis debuted as Cyrus the Virus on ECW TV. Paul E. Utilized this character as a further way for him to vent his frustrations at the TNN network. In reality, Dangerously and TNN were constantly butting heads over content, advertising and time slots. With Callous Osiris, audiences were introduced to a heel character who was a purported network executive who was there to put a stop to the violent, raunchier side of ECW. Boo this man. Number 7. Fake Diesel and Fake Razor Ramon What do you do when two of your top stars head for the exit door and join a rival promotion? Why, you simply recycle their gimmicks and pretend nothing's happened. Once the Outsiders showed up on WCW TV, a WWF lawsuit soon followed. There, Titan alleged that Nash and Hall were playing Diesel and Razor Ramon just under different names. It was petty, and it was a legal matter that somehow lingered for four years before finally being dropped. Well, with WCW starting to dominate WWF Raw in the ratings, September 1996 saw Jim Ross boldly proclaim how Diesel and Razor were returning to McMahon's promotion. What? After weeks of such claims, we did indeed get a Diesel and a Razor Ramon on WWF programming, but it wasn't the Diesel and Razor. Instead, WWF famously had Glenn Jacobs and Rick Bogner take on the big daddy cool and bad guy roles to... Yeah, the reaction you'd probably expect until both were removed from TV until after the 1997 Royal Rumble, just four months later. Number six, common man Dusty Rhodes. He may not have been the Dusty Rhodes of years gone by when he arrived in the WWF in 1989, but the American dream still had major name value and still carried the unique charisma that made him such a star attraction. Still, Dusty had spent years in direct opposition to Vince McMahon so you can see where this is heading. In a dick-measuring move designed to show his dominance, McMahon dressed Rhodes up in polka dots and played into his common man mantra in, frankly, ludicrous ways. Rhodes' WWF debut was accompanied by vignettes of him fixing toilets, changing tyres, pumping gas, collecting bloody garbage working as an apprentice butler of all things. Added to this, the Dream's previous promos of pretty young women chasing him were replaced by the presence of 54-year-old Sapphire. All of this and more was largely just done so Vince McMahon could show how even the biggest of NWA names would bend to his almighty wrath. Number 5. Right to Censor Much like Cyrus the Virus was ECW's way of sticking a middle finger up at the TNN network, Vince McMahon crafted the Right to Censor faction as a way of flipping the bird to the Parents Television Council, which had begun hounding McMahon's organisation in the year 2000. At that time, the PTC took umbrage with the violent and sexual nature of WWF programming. And so Stephen Richards, the BWO favourites began to cover up scantily clad bodies, remove tables from Dudley Boys matches and ruin APA card games. What a knobhead. Forming the right to censor, Richards eventually convinced Ball Buchanan, the Good father, Val Venus and Ivory to share his viewpoint on the landscape of the World Wrestling Federation. Complete with wince-inducing entrance music, the RTC were there to spoil the fun, to preach about morals, to dampen spirits, and all the while being a heel group who used underhand methods to achieve their own success. Number 4 Demolition. Created due to a mixture of jealousy and spite, Demolition was put together because Vince McMahon wanted his own road warriors, and when he wasn't able to tame Hawk and Animal and bring them to New York, McMahon instead decided to just create his own variation of them. There was face paint, there was intimidating ring gear, there was the banging entrance theme, and there were the intense, let's say, erratic promos. To their end, Edie and Darso smashed it as Demolition, but once Vince did land hawk an animal in 1990? Demolition, which now included Crush, was quickly steamrolled by the Legion of Doom. Number three, VKM, having had clear success under the WWE banner, the hope was that Brian James and Billy Gunn could recreate said success when they were brought together in TNA, and then we got. Voodoo Kin Mafia. What's a Voodoo Kin Mafia, we all asked? Well, it's merely a name devised as a supposed clever play on the initials of Vincent. Kennedy McMahon. The idea for VKM originated, yeah, you guessed it, with Vince Russo. The former New Age outlaws were eager to vent their real frustrations towards WWE with the VKM pairing, believing they'd be treated unfairly by McMahon's promotion. And they attempted to ignite a war with WWE, and in particular, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Filmed trips to WWE HQ followed. VKM visited a WWE house show, there were promo shots. Shots taken and VKM even offered up a $1 million prize for a real fight against Helmsley and Michaels. Despite the efforts of the miffed James duo, though, all at WWE, completely no sold any of this. Number two, the billionaire Ted skits. The billionaire Ted skits of 1996 WWF programming were the creation of a desperate Vince McMahon. Up until that point in time, McMahon had operated under a mantra of never referencing rival wrestling promotions, but he'd lost main event attractions like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage to WCW and WCW Nitro were starting to topple WWF Raw on a worrying basis when it came to ratings. Backed into a corner, struggling to find new stars and not helped by Kevin Nash and Scott Hall's impending departure, Vinnie Mac fired back by creating the characters of The Huckster, The Nacho Man, Scheme Gene, and yes, Billionaire Ted. These skits were designed to highlight how old and broken down WCW's roster was, how Ted Turner was merely some bumbling hillbilly, and also to question the values and practices of Turner's company, including insinuating steroid abuse in WCW. If the Billionaire Ted stuff was a one-off, sure, it was mildly entertaining, but the fact that the segments played out for three whole months and culminated in a match where Huckster and Nacho Man suffered heart attacks meant this all became tedious, tasteless, and yeah, stunk of desperation. Number one, Oklahoma. In amongst some of the dross served up in the final two years of WCW's lifespan, there was nothing more distasteful than Oklahoma. This was a character played by WCW writer Ed Ferrara and was created for the sole purpose of mocking Jim Ross. How could you dislike Jim bloody Ross of all people? While it's one thing to wear a black cowboy hat and carry a bottle of barbecue sauce, Ferrara cross the line of good taste by leaning heavily into Ross's Bell's Palsy condition in his JR parody. If a wrestler was handed this gimmick, the performer involved could be somewhat excused due to this being a decision forced upon them by upper management. In the case of Oklahoma, though, this heinous act was purely a creation of Ferrara and, oh good, here's his name again, Vince Russo. Prior to arriving in WCW, Ferrara had spent 16 months under the employ of WWF, extremely frustrated by the more traditional approach to the business of veterans like Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. Thus, the jump to WCW and subsequent creation of Oklahoma was done as a way to take a classless shot at someone with which they buttered heads. Arseholes.